unaware of whether or not you know this, but there are actually notes in the back. Could you get my PowerPoint up? Thank you. Um, there are notes in the back. They are different than normal. If you don't have notes, um, go ahead and raise your hand, and somebody will bring you notes. Um, <coughs> if you've been here when I preached other sermons, um, you'll be aware that normally I have blanks um, in my notes. I don't today, and there's a reason for that. Um, we're in a narrative, and as such, uh, the story is supposed to flow, and I felt like blanks would not allow the story to flow as it should. So, there are notes, there's extra space um, that you can write your own notes um, as you think of extra things that you want to write. We're good. Thank you. Let's look at the text, and then we will go from there. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29, through 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46. If you would, take your copy of God's word, and we will read through the text. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and he served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segeb, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook, brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, 
please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, "Uh, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little jar of oil. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, and make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And when the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this... I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house, Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. And Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. So he said, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant in the hand of Ahab to kill me? As Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. 
And when they said, he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord that I did what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. Verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you shall call in the name of your gods, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bowl for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call in the name of your gods but put no fire under it. So they took the bowl which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. 
Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar and also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up the loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. A long passage, a passage about a contest. And we're familiar with contests. Our life is made up of contests. Some of them, many of them that we pay attention to, very small, very trivial. We have the World Cup. Not a really big deal. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not a big deal. You have baking shows on TV. You have all sorts of other shows that show contests. You have NASCAR. We are surrounded by contests. We have the state fair, and that's like four of them. And we, we pay attention to all these contests, and yet we all too often forget a far greater contest, a contest for our as we think about this discussion of a contest, a contest for our hearts, the thing that God wants us to include in that discussion, I think, is the question, who do I turn to for my provision? Who do we turn to for our provision? And so the big idea this morning is follow the God of provision. We are supposed to follow the God of provision. And so the scene is set in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 through 34. 
And when you get to 1 Kings chapter 16, 29 through, well, 17, 1, Ahab, the king of Israel, turns to Baal and Asherah to provide for him. And he does this in a number of ways. In verse 31, And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, who went and took a woman from those who worship Baal. And he went and he served Baal and worshipped him. That's the second thing that he did that was wrong. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he built in Samaria. That's the third thing. Then the fourth thing. And Ahab made a wooden image or an Asherah that is another Canaanite goddess. And so Ahab is completely rebelling against God. He's going to another source for his provision. And Baal, according to the legend, according to their beliefs about who Baal was, was actually the god of storms and the god of fertility. And so now that we've read the story, you see the bigger story that's going on. God is going to come and challenge this god, and one of the big areas that he has authority over is supposed to be storms. According to the legend, Baal didn't let it rain on the earth when he was in the underworld. So he'd go down in the underworld for six months, and then when he came back, all of a sudden there was rain on the earth. So the setting is that Baal has been in the underworld for the last six months, and Ahab is worshiping Baal. And God sends his prophet to Ahab. Ahab is in his temple, and all of a sudden Elijah shows up in 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then he's gone. Just says, I'm going to set up a contest to show you who the real God is. Who the real God is, he's one who can provide for you. And so as you go through the rest of the text, you see God providing for his obedient servants. You see God providing over and over again for his obedient servants. And so, who is the real God? Will the true God prove himself? Will he provide? And the answer is, over and over again, yes, he does provide. And that means that we have to choose to serve him. You're going to see over and over again in this text that God provides for those who choose to obey him, who choose to serve him. Over and over again, God provides for those who follow the God of provision. So the first illustration of this is Elijah at the brook Cherith. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook that I have commanded. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank 
from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So over and over again, we're also going to see this idea that there's still no rain. Is God going to provide rain for the land? Will he prove himself? And he will. So, God's servant willingly obeys and is provided for. But, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 24, you see that God provides for an obedient widow and others. So food is provided for the household, including Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little jar of oil. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. I don't have anything. And Elijah's response is, trust and obey. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Once again, we're looking forward to this time where God's going to prove himself ultimately by providing rain. Because he's providing for Elijah. He's providing for the widow and her son and Elijah. But there's still lots and lots of people all over the nation Israel and Sidon. Did you notice that he went to Sidon? Where is Sidon? He actually went into the very home territory of Baal. And that's where God chooses to provide for a widow who is not an Israelite. And so God chooses to provide for Elijah through this obedient and faithful widow. But then her son also is restored to her. So as you continue to look at the passage in verse 17 through verse 24 of chapter 17, now it happened... After these things, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. That's really severe. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought her, brought him 
down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She doesn't have a lot of faith, does she? No, she doesn't have a lot of faith at all. Pretty much the amount of faith she has is enough to actually hand her dead son into the hands of the prophet. And he takes him and he goes and he prays and the son's life is restored. But God's provision goes to those who are willing to be obedient. And you see that continued on in 1 Kings chapter 18. So Jehovah provides for an obedient people. And in this you see once again two different sections. Jehovah provide Jehovah's prophets are provided for through the obedience of one man. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Now if you've been really paying very, very close attention, you remember that I said three and a half years at the beginning of the message, and now it says three years here. So why does it say, did I say three and a half years, and the text says three years? Well, because Luke chapter 4 tells us through Jesus that it was three and a half years. So how did that work out? I think that it was after six months of dry season. That's when Elijah comes and makes the declaration. Three years from that is when Elijah comes, but it's actually three and a half years of drought. So when he says um, in verse 2 that the famine was very severe, it is no joke. Some of you wouldn't mind having a couple weeks without snow, but you don't want like three and a half years with no rain or snow. That would be very bad. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, verse 2, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for so it was while Jezebel, that's Ahab's wife, massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land, to all the springs of water, and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. And Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Isn't it interesting? Obadiah is being used to provide for a hundred prophets of the Lord who are in caves, and he's feeding them with bread and water. Meanwhile, the king is desperately looking for a little bit of grass so he doesn't have to slaughter his horses and mules. You see God's provision for those who are obedient. But you also see God provides for and takes care of Obadiah. Obadiah is obedient. I mean, I don't think I would have been very excited about going and telling Ahab, the king, who's been looking for this guy for three and a half years, hey, by the way, he's back in our very territory, and he wants to meet you. He's going to bring rain. I think I'd be very much like Obadiah and be like, nah, he's going to kill me. You're going to disappear, and then I'm going to be dead. No, I'm not doing it. But he actually shows obedience, and God takes care of him. 
But it goes on. Because Jehovah actually is going to provide rain for an obedient people. So, verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So we're moving towards this pinnacle place where God demonstrates that he has authority to provide for those who are obedient to him. And so the climax is coming. Will God prove himself? Will God demonstrate his provision? Will people obey or will they not obey? So Ahab sent, verse 20, for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. You see, Baal was a polytheistic religion. And so that's why Ahab made the Baal. And he also set up an Asherah, two gods. And you could add Yahweh to it. No problem. It's fine. They're happy. The more the merrier. And yet God is an exclusive God. And so God says, choose one of us. Either follow Yahweh and obey him and receive provision from him or follow the Baals. You have a choice. And the people, they don't want to make a decision. They're quite content at this point. They're like, no. We, we haven't seen anything that we think is worth changing our minds. We're going to just continue on in this path. We're not responding. So, Elijah says, here's the contest. This is how we will know who the true God is. Verse 22, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Incidentally, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we learn that uh, Elijah is not the only prophet of God. But it's very interesting that God doesn't tell him, Elijah, you're wrong. I have 7,000 prophets. I have 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee and have not kissed Baal. But God doesn't say that. God just allows him to come with this assertion to the people as he presents his argument. It's a very interesting fact. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And the people like the sound of a contest, a once for all thing. And so what do they say? They say, it is well spoken. Let's do this. Yes, we're excited. So that's exactly what they do. 
Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many. You guys can get done quicker than me. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon. Probably at least eight hours. And what are they crying for eight hours? Oh, Baal, hear us! But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar. It's actually the very same word that he uses when he addresses the people. How long will you go between faltering between two opinions? How long will you go limping between Jehovah and limping between Baal? And that's exactly what they're doing over the altar. They're limping over this altar back and forth. It's kind of silly. You're praying that God will strike this altar and burn it. Meanwhile, you're limping over it while you pray for it. You know what happens if God actually sets it on fire? Bye. You're burned up. Okay? And it's just really kind of funny. It's like, why would you do that? But that's what they're doing. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was noon. Then Elijah mocked them. I mean, you can just, you can just imagine Elijah sitting on the side of the hill, watching all these gyrations with a cup of sweet iced tea, right? And he's just kind of watching them going, this is ridiculous. And then he starts to make fun of them. He's really mocking them. He says, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy. It's a euphemism for he's using the restroom. It's a long time to use the restroom. Or he is on a journey. What he's saying probably is, he's saying, I've been reading your theology textbooks, and you guys believe that Baal goes to the underworld for six months, and he's been gone for three and a half years. He's on a very long journey. You need to yell. He's a very long ways away. He's mocking them. Or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. No response from their God. Baal does not provide. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near. You've got to imagine that the people kind of thought that this was a little gross. I mean, these people are doing all these types of gyrations. They're slashing themselves. They're stabbing themselves. There's blood going everywhere. And the people are kind of like, And so after this has gone on for at least eight hours, Elijah's like, come close. Let's, let's finish this up. So what, it, what does he say? So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, 
fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And the thing's saturated. It's not how you get something to burn. You don't pour water on it. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Jehovah, he is God. Jehovah, he is God. That is the meaning of Elijah's name. Jehovah, he is God. And so at this sign that God has done, the people obey. They turn from the false idols and they say, yes, we will no longer go between these two. We will serve Yahweh. He is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. But God still hasn't provided rain. Has he? Still no rain. That's the big question. Can God provide rain? Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing and seven times he said, go up again. It's interesting. God told Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, I'm going to bring rain. That's what he said. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Nothing about a contest, right? Nothing about we'll sacrifice these bulls, and whoever burns the altar, he's God. Nothing about that. It's just... I'm going to provide rain. And yet you see Elijah praying for something that God has promised. It's a very interesting fact, isn't it? What are we supposed to pray for? We're supposed to pray for things that are in God's will. That's why we pray that God will save people. That's why we pray that God will save our family members who are not believers. That's why we pray that God will provide us with opportunities to reach out to our neighborhood. That's why we pray that the person sitting next to you, the person behind you in chairs today would be growing in Christ and becoming more like him. Okay? It's not so that it'll actually happen. Those things are all in God's will. That's what God wants to happen. But he wants us to demonstrate faith and to pray. Verse 44, Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand 
rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the, land, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Tied up his robe and he ran ahead of the chariot and got there before Ahab did. Jehovah, the victor, provides for his obedient people. Jehovah, the victor, provides for his obedient people. So what is this? What does this mean? So what? Jehovah has won. God has won. He is God whether you are obedient or not. And it really brings out the question. Have you received God's greatest provision? If you're here today and you say, you know, that's a really cool story. It is a really cool story. I mean, God provides for Elijah. God provides for the widow. We don't even know her name. God provides for a hundred prophets, but we don't even know their name. God provides for Obadiah. God provides for all the people. God even provides for Ahab and Jezebel, who still reject him. You'll see that next week in 1 Kings chapter 19. Jezebel's heart does not change. Ahab's heart does not change. And yet God provides for them. But maybe you're here today and you're like, what, what does God actually provide for you? And it isn't that he's provided physical blessings for you. That's not God's greatest provision for you or for me. God's greatest provision is that he sent his son. His son came. He lived a perfect life on this earth. He died. He was buried. And he rose again on the third day. And if we place our faith and trust in him, we have the promise of eternal life. And so as you think about that, if you're unsure, have I actually done that? Come talk to me. Talk to one of the deacons. Talk to somebody else here. We would love to talk to you and help you to be sure that you have received God's greatest provision. And some of you believers are like, phew, not a message of me today. No, it actually is. Are you living a life that is obedient? Are you following God? In the small things. What are the small things? The small things are, do you have a regular time in God's word? Do you have a regular time of prayer? Do you make it a goal of yours to pray for one another? Do you have a regular time of seeking to encourage one another? you make it a goal to be here on Sunday? Do you make it a goal to be here on Wednesday night to gather in corporate prayer? If you're not doing these small things, and when it comes to the bigger things like where we go to seek provision, where do you go after a long day of work? 
Work is stressful. Do you turn on Netflix and watch another five episodes of your favorite shows? Do you grab candy bites? Do you grab a Pepsi? Where do you go for provisions? Do you go to Christ? Or do you go to other things? We're supposed to be obedient. And as we are obedient, Christ provides for us all that we need. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for the reminders that you are a God who provides and that you have a desire to see us be obedient children. We pray that you would give us a heart and a desire to serve and to obey you, and that we would be encouraged by this story from Elijah's life. And in your name we pray, amen.